And uh, that's a remarkable thing when he gets the, the key A minor and then gets the words. And we don't have, we, yeah, okay, we do have it. So I told him, well, let's do it. They haven't practiced it much, but it's really good. Amen. is a holy sound It's tearing strongholds down And it's the sound of liberation The sound of consecration It's a holy sound It's the sound
This night and always, in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen, amen. I like that. Um, I want to continue. In fact, tonight I'm going to read to you some things. In the days ahead, the church is going to have to make some changes. We've, we've discussed that. And uh, it it can't we can't go on in in the structure that we're in right now. It's it's got to change if we're going to affect humanity, reach people with the gospel. We said God is restructuring His church for the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This will require change on our part individually as believers and corporately as a church body. So not only do we need to change individually, but this church has to change. The body of Christ has to change. Not everyone in the days ahead will hook up with that. But we have to keep our eyes on Him and allow Him, allow the Holy Spirit to make the adjustments and the changes in our heart and work with Him. Agree with him. Amen. We said there can be no mighty spiritual awakening in our day without a great shaking of our church organizations, leaders, and structures. One of the major changes will have to do with the full operation of what we call the fivefold ministry gift the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The church will never reach its fullness nor any form of unity until all five ministry gifts are functioning in the body. And that's really strong in me in the days ahead. You see it in the, old, in the churches, larger churches, and, and where there's a metropolitan area. They have more people. They have a greater number of, of five-fold ministry gifts. But God is endeavoring to raise up the gifts in the body. We'll see the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher in the days ahead. And I believe this church is a sending church. 
I believe there's works need to be established and people will be sent out. You know, we don't just need them in other nations. We need other works in, in, in around here, northeast Nebraska, the state of Nebraska. Amen. We said this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you again, then I'm going to go on and read this to you. I'm, I'm studying a lot, reading a lot about apostolic, the apostolic church and how it should flow. He says, she says, an apostolic church is full of power. I want to go to a church that's full of power. It boldly bears witness to Jesus just as the, did the early church. The Holy Spirit confirmed their word with signs following. An apostolic church is flourishing with prophetic worship, prophetic intercession, prophetic words of insight, strategy, and encouragement. An apostolic church is not run by a board. How many of you have been involved with churches in the past? Run by a board, not even godly spiritual men and women. It is led by the presbytery made up of the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, and teachers will be in the forefront. Apostolic leadership raises up more leadership and releases it for kingdom expansion. Pastors will operate among the sheep, giving pastoral care. Evangelists will reach out to the lost in the community and raise up others who have a heart for outreach to the lost. As growth comes, they will train harvesting teams. See, that's what's been in my heart, is raising up teams. That, that people, teams that will go out and minister salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and healing. So if you, if you have a desire to, to do that, you know, pray about that. It is an ever-growing, ever-increasing, ever-expanding work. An apostolic church is a sending church. The word apostle means, means sent one. Today I was going down an alley downtown, and we're, it's, it's the church. What used to be the beauty? Where's that beauty school? You know where the beauty school is? Right west of there is where that... But what it says on the, on the right... Project Connect, what is that? Oh, well, well, I was, where'd that church go? Okay. Okay. Well, the reason I said that is I went down the church. They must have all been out on a smoke break. And I saw a group of the hardest, roughest, more oppressed. I mean, I thought, my God. And they had, to, they had to part to let me drive through. And I'm thinking I should have rolled down the window and said, you all need Jesus. They're out there. Those people are the people, the sinners are out there. They need Jesus. Amen. It says, um, an apostolic church is not looking for someone or something to come under. The local church was intended by God to be 
autonomous, led by the apostles, prophets, and teachers. These naturally seek out other ministers with the same call and anointings for fellowship and sharpening, but it is a horizontal relationship, not a vertical one. If apostolic leadership is removed to some other city or location, then those who are leaders in the local congregations will be without leadership and mentoring. It leaves the prophet without an avenue for prophetic ministry because pastors do not know what to do with prophets. could tell you stories about a, somebody was had to deal with a prophet. It leaves the teachers with, not here, it leaves the teachers without avenues for teaching. Prophets and teachers were never placed by God under pastors, but alongside apostles. Mark 2.22, we've given you the scripture. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts. The wineskins, the wine spilled, the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into what? New wineskins. Churches and cities have heard prophecies for years and are still waiting for the fulfillment. Why do those prophecies go unfulfilled? Could it be that churches cannot enter into the destiny of the prophetic fulfillment until they step up to a new level in the spirit? Often the current wineskin is not capable of facilitating the vision. The fulfillment will require apostolic vision and leadership. God is not going to just sovereignly come down and fulfill the prophecy. Those prophecies are the possibilities that God sets before us. Until the church accepts apostolic reformation, they will live with unfulfilled dreams. Now we've heard how many, what's, what, what ministry has been on the forefront the last two years? The prophet. And it's been said, and I really believe in, in, in the next move, the apostles will be on the scene. A pastoral model of ministry cannot build. Now, this is really a good statement. A pastoral model of ministry cannot build. It cannot pioneer. It stays with the sheep. It does not go exploring. Compare this to the difference between a home buyer and a developer. A home buyer is just looking for a place for the family to be secure and happy. The developer conceived the whole village where all the families could live, cross paths, enjoy parks and common facilities. He saw the whole thing with all its varied aspects and needs. Prophecy has to have a framework or blueprint. Prophecy is like hope. It is something seen and anticipated. Hope is the blueprint for faith. Then faith is the action that moves toward hope. One can dream about a beautiful home, but there's no genuine hope until a blueprint's drawn. That hope then begins to be fulfilled as contractors are hired and work begins. Apostles get the blueprints for kingdom expansion. Prophecies about that expansion are just dreams without an architect or draftsman. That's why apostolic leadership is needed uh, for the fulfillment of prophetic destinies. Then he talks, she talks about apostolic government. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah 9. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The Lord keeps speaking to me. The government shall be upon his shoulder. He keeps speaking. The fullness of him who fills all in all. This second phrase comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. At the end of Paul's prayer for the church to be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, he says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What does this mean? The church has often relegated Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7, to the millennial reign of Christ. But remember, prophecy is multi-layered. A child is given as the first layer. It was the earthly life of Jesus. Does his government begin after the church age, or did it begin when he ascended on high? I believe the Holy Spirit is saying that it began when he ascended and sat down at the right hand of the Father. At that time, he was declared the head over all things to the church. The church was declared his body, and the body is the fullness of him. The church is the earthly government of heaven right now. Jesus is the head of the church, ruling and reigning through the gifts he gave when he ascended on high. He established his cabinet positions, and in every generation since, has appointed those whom he chooses to fill in those positions. He's the head and orchestrates it all through the person of the Holy Spirit. Government is based on a set of core values or beliefs. The framers of the U.S. Constitution had to lay out their core beliefs in government before a constitution or vision could be written. Out of the constitutional vision vision flows liberty, rights, laws, and structure. Since one of the functions of an apostle, according to 1 Corinthians 11, is to set in order, then we see that establishing government as well as doctrine is a function of an apostle. God is a God of order, therefore shares that gift with some he has said in the church. Jesus is the first apostle of the church and assigned the governing of his church to other apostles with prophets and teachers coming alongside. That's why the government in the natural, it's a mess. But once the apostles start flowing in their gifts and in that, that apostolic function, the natural government will change. It'll be a reflection of what's going on in the spirit. And boy, do we need it. Amen. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Notice Paul actually uses the words first, second, and third. Many people give priority to certain things in the word because they're listed before another. I usually see this as foolishness since something has to be written first in order to get it on paper. But here Paul did not simply mention certain gifts in an order. He assigned first, second, and third to them with other gifts following them in no particular order. So in this case, we must give credence to an order of priority. Every church, now now listen, every church must determine what it believes is the New Testament New Testament model for church government. I'll say it again. Every church must determine what it believes is the New Testament model for church government. The type of government will define the vision. The vision will enable the people to run. Without a vision, the people perish. Here's examples of different church models. The first one, fivefold ministry government. A full apostolic vision is able to equip every believer because each member's gifts will function under one of the anointings of the five office gifts. Even the gift of helps is fi- even the gift of helps finds its fulfillment in specific areas such as pastoral helps, apostolic helps, prophetic helps, evangelistic helps, teaching helps. I noticed 
when we were down in Omaha, especially Brenda had a little woman running behind her the whole time. Did you see her? She was sitting by her. What was she? She was a help. She was an assistant to Brenda. And, and she's probably, probably drawn to that kind of ministry. Then number two, pastoral government with a board of elders. This is a one-man vision with advisors. It is incapable of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry except those whose gift is in the pastoral area. The church remains an infant stage. Let me say, let me say that again. Pastoral government with a board of elders. This is a one-man vision with advisors. It is incapable of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry except those whose gift is in the pastoral area. The church remains in an infant stage. I don't want to remain in an infant stage. But there are churches out there will remain in an infant stage and never leave it. Then there's number three, the elder-led government. This is the least defined vision because it does not necessarily cover the full spectrum of the five branches of office gifts. Elders in the traditional sense may not even be called by God to the office gifts. Therefore, my aunt was an elder in the Presbyterian church. Okay, their term elder and our term elder might be a little bit different. Therefore, the anointing is lacking to accomplish the mission of the church. The people do not have specific leaders functioning under specific anointings under which to come for the development of their gifts. The core beliefs concerning the purpose of the church must be established, written out for the purpose of forming a corresponding government. The fivefold ministry has been functioning upside down. No wonder the American church has been so apathetic and impotent. It was stripped of the dynamic power of presbytery which lies in the apostles, prophets, and teachers. Look back at the early church. What was it? The apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. Those whom God called to work among the sheep were put at the head, and we've been upside down ever since. Large churches with expanding visions are being led by apostles who still call themselves pastors. There's no such title as senior pastor in the Bible. These apostles need to bring the prophets and teachers on board and distribute the ministry among them. Many called to the fivefold ministry sit on the pews frustrated. They are told to go away to some seminary to learn how to become another pastor or evangelist because everything else has ceased. Those with a pastor's heart need to get out of the pulpit and out there with the sheep. Those who are called to lead, to plant, and establish, train, teach, and warn believers need to take up the mantle for such and stop trying to be pastors. Many have accepted the mantle of a pastor because religion has pigeonholed them and they've bought into the deception. They're full of vision, but they've been taught to mind the sheep and only go at the pace the sheep can maintain. maintain. Nonsense. The sheep don't lead. Apostles, prophets, and teachers get out from under that yoke of obligation to please man and go for the vision. Apostles, prophets, and teachers need to stand in the pulpits declaring apostolic doctrine, prophesying and teaching the whole local body in which God has placed them. They need to seek the Lord together, submit to one another, to give place to one another in ministry. The church will then receive the whole counsel of God rather than just one perspective. And I'm getting to a statement here. I'm coming. Pastors need to be ordained to lead small groups where people are discipled and allowed to share it out of their, out of their gifts and callings. There's nothing against pastors here. 
there's, we need pastors. Amen? I've been a pastor, but my role's changing. Pastors need to be trained in leading a group where there's a leadership, but also freedom of expression and sharing among the group. Let me make it clear. Pastors are needed. Just as I spent years in pastor-led churches, frustrated by lack of vision and opportunity for ministry, I've also witnessed the frustration in an apostle-led churches that did not provide pastoral care. Everyone wants to feel loved and valued. When someone visits a church, they need to feel welcomed by follow-up context. They should not leave a church, leave a service without someone knowing their name. We lived for a while in a city with numerous spirit-filled mega churches. After a while, I realized that people wandered from one church to another. Sounds like Tulsa, looking for a place to belong. Many cell groups existed in that city, but they were led by anyone who wanted to start a cell group that would go through several weeks of training to do so. While Bible studies at workplaces or among friends is a valuable opportunity for outreach and growth, the need remains for those who are reached through these avenues to have the nurture and guidance of a called pastor. True apostles know they are not called to do everything called ministry. They understand the people's needs for shepherds. They understand that they themselves are called to train shepherds for the sheep and that, and that they create the framework for ministry. Prophets and teachers work alongside establishing people in truth and exposing false doctrine. The body of Christ needs to be turned right side up again. Prophets, teachers, evangelists cannot come alongside pastors They can only come alongside apostles. Pastors are also called to come alongside apostles to nurture the people. Any large congregation has numerous pastors, whether they're recognized and allowed to function or not. The Spirit and the Word are the change agents of the church. The Spirit and the Word are the change agents of the church. The church is the change agent of the world. Praying for the government. Why is the world in such a mess? I don't think the church has done its job, has it? But it's changing. Praying for the government or the world to change is futile. We must pray the prayer in Ephesians 1. That the eyes of its understanding being enlightened, that it might know the hope of its calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. His inheritance in the church is the richness of the glory shining in and through each of us revealing his image. That glory results in great power to change the world around us. Civil government and culture is a reflection of the people in a democratic society. The government and our entire culture will only change. Are you listening? When the church is so transformed into his intent for the church, God's intent for the church, that it will once again be the salt and light of our nation. Principalities and powers of darkness will bow to the church when it operates in apostolic power and authority. When some have termed as the seven centers of power, family, church, government, business, education, media, and the arts will be transformed as the entire church is raised up to know who they are in Christ, what they are in His kingdom, and function in these centers of power accordingly. The church is where we learn to function, but it must be extended into the world in our individual realms of influence, thereby increasing the kingdom. And of the increase of His kingdom, there will be no end. The Holy Spirit recently spoke to me. You cannot... Now listen, this a good statement. You cannot dispossess the enemy of what you are either unwilling or unable to possess. Let me say it again. 
You cannot dispossess the enemy of which of what you are either unwilling or unable to possess. Intercessors are often praying to pull down enemy strongholds over cities, nations. When the church is not ready and equipped to possess the territory of which the enemy is being stripped, that vacuum will simply be filled again with some the same principalities and powers of darkness. It is the power of the gospel that drives back darkness. Unless the word of God is preached along with intercession and warfare, then there's no one to occupy the territory. If our army went in and toppled the regime but was not followed with a plan of occupation to rebuild and establish, then another regime would simply come into power the moment the army left town. It requires apostolic vision in order to possess what God has called us to possess. He, she says, I'm sometimes amazed that intercessors are willing to confront powers of darkness in the heavenlies, pray over past injustices, walk the streets of our cities in prayer, and yet fail to go to the root of the problem which is in the church. <laughs> That's very good. We think the problem's out there. The problem's been in the church. The early church lived under a cruel Roman regime. They faced persecution from the Jewish institution of religion, yet they were powerful, and God worked with them, confirming their words with signs and following. What was the difference? They were simple and powerful in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. They had not institutionalized Christianity. They all operated in their gifts. They recognized the leadership of the apostles, but they all expected to be empowered by the Spirit to do the same works. They preached Jesus where, every, everywhere they went. They had churches in their homes, by the river, in the synagogue, anywhere they could meet. They were organic and free. They had not become religious. God told Jeremiah that he had anointed him to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Something new cannot be built on a site where old, worn-out buildings stand. The old must be torn down and removed. It must be cleaned and prepared for the new to be built. Intercessors must be willing to go back to home base, begin to root out and pull down the old religious structures that prevent the church from flowing in apostolic power. They must be willing to declare those things in the spirit that might get them thrown out of church. If that should happen, then those churches have rejected the apostolic restoration and cannot move in the spirit in any way. It's time to build the new. Those principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenlies will run anyway when or will run anyway when the church rises up and becomes the church that is God's dream for her. The devil's already defeated. He's been stripped of authority. Only the church walking in power is going to dislodge the enemy strongholds and then be ready to occupy for the kingdom. Now, here's an example. How many churches in this community are doing what we're doing? I'll ask again, how many churches in this community are involved politically? Zero. That should give you some understanding of the way the church should be in these last days. Apostolic. Not being moved by what men say. Or what a board says. Or what... Your congregation says, but you do what God says. When we got started with this Patriots United you know, Convention of States, 
I knew down here it was right. And because of that, I'm going to tell you something. God is going to bless this church and this ministry and you families. You mark my words. It will, it will happen. Strategy, I'm almost done. Strategy flows out of the apostolic and prophetic anointings. It's like a general anointing. Joshua was anointed with the spirit of a general to lead Israel into the land to possess it. The same is true with apostles and prophets. Pastors and teachers will come along behind them and enable the people to occupy and flourish in that which has been taken from the enemy. Revival's not enough, no matter how wonderful it is. Apostolic authority and structure in local churches is the instrument through which God perpetuates the works of the Holy Spirit so that they are passed to the next generation. Otherwise, revivals last for a season, then they wane. The restoration of apostles and apostolic networks is not enough. The apostolic church must be restored or the fruits of revival will die. Only apostolic structure can provide the strategy to turn the tide and see a spiritual awakening that affects all of the culture as the government of our Lord Jesus Christ increases from the head flowing through every part. Oh, listen to this. One more paragraph. What if those who are called to one or more of the fivefold ministry came together and allowed the Holy Spirit... In fact, I don't know if I want to read this, but you'll know why I don't want to read this. What if those who are called to one or more of the fivefold ministry came together and allowed the Holy Spirit to teach them to submit to the Spirit of God first, then to each other? What would God be able to birth among a group submitted to God's plans and purposes? How much healthier and diverse would the body of Christ be with the opportunity to hear from apostles prophets and teachers instead of one person all the time. You have to say amen so loud. Are you getting what I'm coming to here? Perhaps I'm unusual, but after sitting under the same speaker week after week for months or years, I tend not to hear them anymore. Boredom sets in and I become deaf to them. How long have we been here? That's why the gifts have to change. That's why you've got to see, you know, uh, the fivefold ministry gift begin to come up within Harvest Church. On the other hand, with the diversity in ministry, the sharing of the Word of God among them would be so rich that everyone would want to get in on it. The ministry of the Spirit would be so powerful that every need in the place would be brought to light, healing, deliverance, provision would manifest. Could it be that love would prevail in the absence of man's flesh being in control? Would such an experience so charge every believer present that they would want to go from there and publish the word of the Lord and the testimonies of the great things God has done? If we want to see the glory of God manifested in these days. We must allow the Holy Spirit to shatter the walls of the institutional church, restore His pattern for New Testament church life, and let Him do a new thing. That's very good. That's a woman. See, I've got nothing against women ministers. Her name is, this book's been out a while, Juanita Newman. Newman, I don't know where I got it. 
So you see, folks, I mean, I'm, I'm, I wish we could, you know, have more people here, but the remnant's here tonight. I'm, I'm glad you're hearing what we're saying, but we've got to change. Can't be the same anymore. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to stepping back. I just told him along, not too long ago, I said, you've got to step back and let other people get involved in worship. Let them flow. Let their gifts flow and manifest. I've got to do the same thing. I'm going to be working on that in the days ahead, you know, helping, helping gifts come up within the body. Let's stand to our feet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit. It is our desire, it's my desire, that Harvest Church be an apostolic church in these last days. And, Lord, <laughs> there's so much to learn. But, Father, I thank you for a special grace for Harvest Church in the days ahead to fulfill your plans, purposes, and function, Lord God, the way you have ordained the church to function. So, Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for turning our hearts individually and corporately in the direction we need to go so we can reach a lost and dying world, so we can raise up, Lord God, ministry gifts and send them out. We thank you, Father, this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, what else? Announcements. Kayla, why don't you kind of give us, a, in a nutshell, then we'll pray for her. What's his name? And where is he? Is he from here? Charles? How do you spell T-U-R? Okay. All right. Well, go ahead. I just want to get his name. Well, 
Let's pray. I mean, she's probably feeling kind of wrung out tonight. Well, let's let's get in agreement. In the name of Jesus Christ, the great physician, the great healer, we take our authority tonight as believers. And whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven. We bind infirmity. We bind disease. We bind growths and tumors in the name of Jesus. We curse them in the name of Jesus. Command them to dry, shrivel up, and go in Jesus' name. We loose healing to every cell, every gland, every organ, every muscle, tendon, tissue, system in her body. We lose healing and resurrection life to flow in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray tonight for Dr. Charles Tarrant. Lord God, we thank you that Kayla has favor with him and favor with all those doctors at this convention in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. She has been redeemed from the curse of the law. And so, Lord God, we thank you. Healing health. Life is loosed in Kayla's body this night. Resurrection power is loosed in Jesus' name. And we are expecting miracle, miracle, miracle in Jesus' name. And Lord, we loose the peace of God upon the Steiner household this night. For you promised to give the righteous a peaceful habitation, a quiet resting place, and a safe, secure dwelling. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. We'll just keep us posted. Anything else? What's the name of that hurricane? The dumb name, Ian. Ian, yeah, it is. I think isn't that Ian down at the pit? <laughs> and it's coming in on the east. Is he going to take out Disney World? Well, God works in mysterious ways. Well, Father, go ahead. What? Father, we pray for every family. Believers, non-believers alike... 
Father, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for supernatural protection. We loose the heavenly hosts, angels of God, to go forth and bring out those people in an orderly fashion in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace, Lord, to flow, that these people can move out, Father, before this hurricane hits. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, In the name of Jesus, we lose your mercy upon every citizen. And we thank you, Lord, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. We speak to that hurricane, command it to go, dissolve, be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. I I don't listen to the news. So is he not coming? When was he supposed to come see you? Okay, all right. Do they have a plan to go if they have to? Stay put. Okay, all right. My sister, she's way on the other side. Okay, there goes his goal. So... Amen. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. I got something to say. Oh, it is? Oh, don't let me forget to get my donies. Amen. Thank you.